Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, everyone. Jeremy Scheinwald here with another Smart People Should Build Things Venture for America podcast. Today, we are re-airing one of our first episodes, uh, one with 2012 fellow Brian Rudolph. Brian is the co-founder and CEO of Bonza, a chickpea pasta company aiming to do for pasta what Chobani did for Greek yogurt. Brian is also one of the featured fellows in Generation Startup, an independent documentary which tells the story of six Venture for America fellows who put everything on the line to build startups in Detroit. Generation Startup premieres in New York this Friday, September 23rd, and will hit theaters in select cities across the country in the coming months. Brian shares a lot of his stories in this interview, but you can see him building bonds and action in the film. Check it out. For more information, visit generationstartupthefilm.com. That's generationstartupthefilm.com. On a personal note, Brian was the first fellow that I interviewed. I've interviewed a bunch more since. Would always love to interview more than that. And uh, I really enjoyed chatting with him. He brings a, uh, a humility and earnestness uh, to... Uh, his work. He's done something um, pretty amazing. He's creating jobs in the Detroit area, and uh, and he was a lot of fun to interview. So I hope that you will enjoy my interview with Brian Rudolph. But before we begin, let me uh, thank our sponsor. Support for Smart People Should Build Things is brought to you by Wix.com. A great web presence is essential to running a successful business. If you have a new idea or just need to upgrade your website, check out Wix.com. No matter what business you're in, you can get your site live today. Wix has something for everyone with hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from. Not a coder, not a problem. You don't need to be a coder or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Used by more than 77 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business, and it all starts with that stunning website. The best part is it's free. You can go to Wix.com and sign up for an entirely free account today. No credit card required. It's easy, and the result is stunning. Go to Wix.com, Wix.com today. And now, here's our interview with Brian Rudolph. Welcome to Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Building things can be really hard, and entrepreneurship is often portrayed in the media as the sexy, or even worse, easy career path. Through this series, we plan to pull back the curtain and tell the gritty stories of entrepreneurship. We're striving to create a relaxed environment where entrepreneurs feel free to tell their stories. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Brian, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, well, if you can't, uh, you're not going to be able to see Brian, so you can see that he's blushing. He, uh, yeah. <laughs> yesterday, he was he was saluted at VFA's summer celebration. Uh, he gave a speech. He was awesome. And... Uh, yeah. And he uh, he's, he certainly exhibits um, a lot of uh, a lot of humility as well. Uh, but you are basically the poster boy for VFA. I mean, did you did you think um, you would be an entrepreneur? Do you think you'd be an entrepreneur today if it were not for VFA? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So so just to start, um, I think you could have taken any Venture for America fellow from my class, thrown them up there, and they would have had just as unique of a story. Um, but but uh, I guess. As far as as far as uh, did I think I was going to be an entrepreneur? 
Um, you know, I think there was always a part of me that that loved the idea of starting a company. Um, I think Venture for America helped make that more of a reality. So, uh, yeah, before, before Venture for America, it was kind of like one of those things that sounds great in theory, but Venture for America totally made it real. Okay. Let's, um, I, I want to get to Bonza for sure, because, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's your baby. But I, I'm also curious about your path to VFA, because when you joined, I mean, you're, you're a member of the first class. Yeah. And so VFA itself was a startup and an, and an unproven entity. And in some ways, you were taking a risk on VFA. How did you find VFA and why, why did you, uh, you know, why did you join the, why did you attempt to and then join the first class? Yeah. Uh, so I, I was looking into, uh, into consulting and I actually, I heard Andrew speak, uh, while I was doing my job search and, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty, I guess, blown away by his message. Um, and at some point it just kind of clicked that this was what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, it, it, it was, it was a, it, yeah, it, it really just, it clicked. So you didn't see. <laughs> I know. I wish. Yeah. So you didn't feel like it was risk at all. You just you 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 uh, you submitted your application. You came down to New York for a for a uh, for one of the group interview sessions, and yeah, you, you were know, sold. You just dropped consulting, uh, which is a far less risky, less higher risky. paid career. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was there was something about it uh, that felt way less risky than it actually was. Um, I guess being surrounded by uh, the people that were also at my interview day. Um, I was I was just so impressed with the other applicants for the program, so uh, it felt very real for however much of a startup it was at the time, um, and maybe maybe that's why it just I just kind of went for it. <laughs> and did you did you know did, did you have a desire to go to Detroit? You ended up at Quickly. Um, we'll, let's talk about that. Um, but did you know where you were, when did you know where you were going and and what you'd be doing? Yeah, from from my perspective, when I went into the program, uh, I hadn't really thought that much about what city I was going to go to. It was more about where I could get the best opportunity to learn uh, really how to start my own company. And uh, at Quickly, I, I had the opportunity to be the first employee there and uh, really was impressed with the, the guy who had started the company. His name was Sean. And uh, just that, that was what sold me uh, more than the city. And then while I was there, did fall in love with Detroit, but it definitely didn't happen in the other order. It wasn't Detroit first. So you're, you're the first employee at Quickly. Uh, tell us, I mean, what, 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 what does Quickly do? And tell us what your job was on day one, considering there were two of you. I imagine they were varied. Yeah, yeah. So this was uh, this is three years ago, and initially the thought was Quickly was going to be the the Groupon killer. Actually, uh, it was an e-commerce play that was supposed to be almost like Groupon but on steroids. Just this time based version of Groupon. Instead of being twenty four hours, the faster you were to respond, the better your reward. Um, and while I was there, uh, I went from wearing every single hat to then being kind of in like a growth kind of role where it was finding as many people as we could to sign up for the platform. Uh, the company itself has evolved, uh, in a pretty major way since, uh, but, but ultimately ended up taking on a sales role. And, uh, to me, that was, that was probably the, the most impactful opportunity for me. Cause, uh, when you're selling and you're trying to get to major brands, uh, we, <laughs> There was a point where I was reaching out to 60 people a day cold, uh, which was just unbelievably exhausting. Um, but, you know, it kind of speaks to the kind of learning experience you can have when you're a Venture for America fellow. So, so yeah. So what were the major takeaways from your time at Quickly? How did it influence you as you started your firm? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that was really, to me, uh, that was one of the biggest things was just you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're in an opportunity to, to get the word out about something that you're working on. Um, 
having confidence in it and understanding that uh, you're <laughs> understanding, I guess, the way that sales work, uh, that you do have to follow up. It's not going to be the first response, but it might be the fifth, the sixth. Uh, and just being you know polite, but also relentless at the same time. Uh, that was something that I took away from reaching out cold to these executives at, at major companies um, and just being fearless about it. So when does the, how far into quickly does the, does the Bonza idea come to you and where does it come from? Yeah. Um, so, so it was interesting because I, at some point it hit me that I wanted to start a technology company while, while I was in venture for America. And, um, I was, I was playing around with all these different ideas and I would test them out. And, and a lot of them just, just weren't panning out the way that I wanted them to. Uh, I would, I would cold call entrepreneurs in the space and, and ask them what they thought of these ideas that I was working on. And it just, it just wasn't, it wasn't happening. And I got really frustrated. And meanwhile, I had this hobby of making, uh, <laughs> making a healthier pasta in my kitchen. And it was, it was totally just a, a bizarre hobby that my roommate was, thought I was a little bit crazy. Um, but, but I, I it kind of hit me that if we approached it right, um, starting a food company could be just as ambitious as starting a technology company. And that's the way that we've approached it from day one is how can we, uh, change an entire category. And, and so, uh, with Bonza, we want to change pasta the way that Chobani has changed yogurt, uh, making a higher protein, more healthy version of something that people eat all the time. And, uh, once I kind of had that positioning in my mind, uh, it, it almost just became like, okay, this is, this is what I, what I was meant to do. So, uh, but how do you get from, First of all, how much testing did you do? How much pasta did you eat, did you eat in the in the lead up to uh, to Bonza? So yeah, um, <laughs> so so I guess I mean other pasta. Um, you know, I, I part of the the reason why I started making it in my kitchen was because I I love pasta, but I just couldn't find a healthy one. Um, and so I was just making it for myself. So so I had been making this. Um, I, I must have made it multiple times a week for the first three or four months. Um, and it, it just, it, it went from not being very good, uh, like actually being pretty awful to, uh, to getting a lot better over time. And after, after doing it for maybe dozens of times, uh, it was something that uh, going back to my roommate, Brent, I think he went from, he went from tolerating it to actually asking about it all the time. And that's <laughs> like, all right, maybe there's, there's something here. <laughs> so, so you're, he's, he's tolerating, he starts asking about it, uh, you know, how do you make the first sale? Like, uh, what what is it? Is it uh, you know? Do you did you actually have a box and you got out there and and pitched it to a grocery store? Yeah, it, it's it's a pretty long story how it all kind of unfolded. Um, the, we, we got time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so so the very first thing that happened was I you know I, Venture for America encouraged me to to take this idea and and make it real. So uh, they encouraged me to do this this crowdfunding campaign. And in the crowdfunding campaign, we raised, uh, including some awards from Venture for America, it was close to $30,000. And in that process, we got found by a reality TV show. So very non-traditional way of getting your, your company out there. But uh, you know, that, was, that was right near the end of the crowdfunding campaign. We get this email. And you know, at, the, at this point, uh, I, I somehow convinced my brother, uh, who is, who is uh, in private equity, uh, to consider helping me out with this concept. And then when this, this reality TV show opportunity presented itself, um, you know, we, we had formed the LLC, I think the day before, and we we're just like, you know what, let's, let's just give it a shot. See, see what we can do. And, and we knew it was going to be like a food focused version of shark tank. 
and uh, I, I think Scott really liked the idea of Shark Tank, <laughs> and uh, and we just we we went for it, and so that that uh, we filmed for that probably three weeks later. Um, we we had to figure out within that three week time period how to actually make our product at scale and uh, at a smaller scale. We'll get to larger scale later, <laughs> um, but making it at a smaller scale so that we had something we could bring on TV. And then yeah, we when we when we went on TV, uh, we you know we we ended up getting investment from a celebrity chef, but and his name is Joe Bastianich. Um, you know he he's business partners with Mario Batali. He's one of the owners of Italy. Uh, very well respected. And it was a huge risk in retrospect. Like we were out of our minds for going on that show because we had, we had made this pasta for the first time three days before going on the show. And we were presenting it to a celebrity chef who his job is literally to have a fantastic palate. So, um, we got really lucky that it was, it was, uh, it was good. And, um, and, and then it, things have just kind of compounded since then. Okay, so you're about to go on this on this reality TV show, which I yeah. which I think is restaurant startup. Uh, yeah, and uh, and are you still cooking stuff in your home at that point in your home kitchen? Yeah, yeah. So it was it was definitely a pretty natural progression. Of first, I was just taking this dough, flattening it out, cutting it with a knife just to get some form of a shape, uh, and then from there, I bought this hand crank that's like traditionally used in Italy. And uh, it's called like an Atlas Mercado and uh, was cranking out different shapes. And then I went to a pawn shop and bought this like electronic one that that also could do even more interesting shapes. Um, but ultimately, then we, we found someone we could partner up with who would do it probably, I mean, at, at 10 times the scale of what I was doing at in my kitchen. Um, and, and that was that was pretty wild to see. I, I was like jumping for joy the first time that it was actually coming out into shape. So I was at the again. I was at the VFA summer celebration last night. So I've got the advantage of having having heard this story. But why don't you share with us the the stresses and the end result of the stresses of having that first big order that you had to fulfill, and that and that came as a result of of restaurant startup. Yeah, yeah. So um, what 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 happened? I guess in the in the order of events was we we had this opportunity to meet with one of the largest grocery stores in the country. Uh, the, the company's name is Meyer, and uh, we were totally not ready for the meeting, but we had this amazing story because of being on reality TV. So it, we were, and, and of course, Venture for America and being based in Detroit, they're a Michigan based retailer. So we went in with this story and no packaging, just a plastic bag of pasta. And, uh, I'm talking to, to the buyer and I'm like, Hey, uh, you know, just thank you for meeting with me. I really appreciate it. He's like, yeah, well, I want it for all my stores. I was like, can we start with 10, please? Uh, you know, I, I, I would love to do that. And he's like, no, no, no. I want it for all my stores. We're doing this. I was like, all right, great. So I guess I better figure out how to make this. Um, and, uh, and that was, that was way more, uh, you know, I knew it was going to be tough, but, uh, it actually ended up being, uh, borderline impossible making this at scale. Um, we went to one of the largest gluten free pasta manufacturers in the country. And, uh, just about everything you can possibly imagine went wrong. Um, we, uh, you know, we had this really tight deadline from, from Meyer, and if we couldn't hit it, we, had, we ran the risk of losing the relationship entirely, which is a terrible way to start. So, uh, we just, we just had to figure it out. And, you know, we were, we were doing run after run after run. And, and I mean, we, we thought that we had mitigated risk. We did a ton of small pilot runs and they were all coming out the right way. 
which is bizarre in retrospect. Uh, it was it was almost like the perfect storm. <laughs> and uh, when we scaled it up like officially after the pilot runs, um, we were just doing again run after run that was just turning to mush. Um, so what changes that that something that you've tested before doesn't work in mass production? You, you know, know, I I do know now, um, and it, it just it's a really hard product to make. Um, you know, we know a lot of people who have tried to make chickpea pasta and have just given up. And we didn't know it at the time. If I had known at the time, I probably would have given up uh, sooner. <laughs> Hopefully not. But uh, you know, it, it just the so so anyway. Um, you know, we we ended up. You know, we had raised just over a hundred thousand dollars at the time. A good portion was from the reality TV show. And uh, we burned through about $100,000 in those two weeks. And, uh, you know, I, I talked about this last night, but I just, uh, I completely lost it. And, um, you know, I did end up getting kidney stones, um, just being so unbelievably stressed. I did, I, yes, I did break down into tears. Um, and and uh, it was one of those really, really difficult moments. And we had this uh, we ultimately got it together in a really roundabout way where we took pasta that, you know, you normally boil pasta. Um, we took the pasta that, that normally needs to be boiled and we were like, how can we just find a way to make this uh, sellable enough so that we don't lose our shirts? And, uh, you know, we, we, we tried cooking it in every single way you could possibly think of. And uh, it turned out that it was like, okay enough if you, if you put it in hot water uh, similar to like steeping tea. That's how you had to cook this pasta. So you put it in for five minutes, leave it there, take it out. And we took every box that we had printed, 20,000 of them. And uh, within two days to meet the three-day deadline that we had from Meyer, we put 20,000 stickers on, uh, on, on, on all of those boxes and hired like eight temps just, just to figure it out. It was, it was just a complete, uh, it was calamity. <laughs> but it ended up working. Meyer was happy with them. They reordered. Yeah, yeah, they're still you know, a customer to this day. They they are still a customer today. Um it was it was not a product that we were proud of, um but we knew that it was in everyone's best interest. Meyer would have been in a tough place because they had already given us shelf placement. If we couldn't put something there, it just would have been empty. Um so we we ultimately did what was best for everyone and um, you know, I, I just hope that anyone who tried that earlier product, uh, they're listening to this episode and they know the story, uh, so they can, they can hopefully forgive us for, <laughs> for if they had a bad cooking experience. Everyone knows the entre that entrepreneurs and small business owners need good websites to get their business off the ground. It's kind of common sense. Customers rely on the information they can find about your business on the internet to decide if they're going to use your product or service. Millions of entrepreneurs create their own professional websites using Wix.com, and the results are stunning. Wix gives you access to hundreds of customizable templates and easy drag-and-drop tools. You can get up and running today, no problems. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. You can go to Wix.com, that's W-I-X.com, and sign up for an entirely free account today. No credit card required. Check it out at Wix.com. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. So you you had $100,000 in funding at that point and $100,000 in inventory went out the window. Um, at that point thereafter, are you self-funding through sales? 
Yeah, yeah. So so we ended up um, we we ended up raising a little bit more just to fill in the gaps, um, and then shortly thereafter. Um, we actually got uh, an award uh, from Venture for America and UBS that was forty five thousand dollars, which which certainly helped hold us over, um, which was which was fantastic. Another shout out to VFA for for uh, for helping us out, and uh, and and then in that process we just we we started tightening things up and and figuring out how to to actually make this product good. Uh, lived in again after living in the manufacturing plant all summer. Uh, lived in in now our, our manufacturing plant in Michigan, where we kind of went back to, and um, and was there for for probably two months with with Avery, who's uh, who's our, our VF uh, team member, co-founder, and also 2014 VFA fellow. I just want to make sure I got that right. You lived in the manufacturing facility. I say lived in because it was basically where I spent ninety percent <laughs> of my time. <laughs> okay, but you still kept a kept a separate uh, separate residence. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was uh, may as well have been home. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me about the, so tell me about the scale. So you've got Meyer on board now. Um, how do you get from from one major customer to and a bunch of temps throwing on stickers to 25 people. Where, how are you adding these people? Who are they? What rules? Yeah, yeah. So um, the way that it kind of all unfolded was, again, you know, I, I talked earlier about doing things before we were ready. Um, we just kept doing it. <laughs> so shortly after after um, getting, getting Meyer on board, uh, we got this unbelievable retailer named Sprouts on board. And, uh, you know, they have, they have an additional 200 stores. They're based on the West coast, a lot like, uh, whole foods, if you're familiar with whole foods and, um, they're, they're really good at what they do. And, and so we just kept winning these unbelievable retailers over, uh, onto our side. And it was again, a lot of times just with the passion and the story more than the product. Um, and we knew that we just had to tighten things up on the back end. And so we, we worked nonstop on getting the product better and better. Um, and as we continued to show that there was this demand, uh, it required more and more manpower. So, and so most of the manpower is in manufacturing at this point? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, without going into too many specifics about how it all breaks down, um, it, it is, you know, those, those 25, uh, people who, who are working on our product. Um, it, it is a, it is a large portion manufacturing. Now our team itself is actually, uh, seven, which, okay. which is pretty cool. Yeah. And so one of those is your brother. He's, uh, yeah. you and I were chatting earlier, so I know that he's, he's eight years your senior. Yeah. Um, and you told me that he was the type of brother who would occasionally wail on you and in, in, in an affectionate <laughs> way when he was, a, yeah. when he was a kid, yeah. uh, when you were a kid, um, would anyone who knew you when you were kids, uh, describe partnering with your brother as a smart choice? <laughs> I just don't think anyone would have seen it coming yeah. because he's, he's so much, uh, he's just, he, I mean, I'll basically just say that, you know, I, I say this all the time. I admire the heck out of my brother, uh, and I am so grateful to be working with him. And, um, I've always looked up to him. Anyone who knows, uh, you know, when I was in middle school and high school, I talked about my brother nonstop. So having the opportunity to work with him has been, uh, it's just been awesome. Um, and so I, I think anyone who knew me probably would be like, yeah, he would probably love to do that. Um, and, and Scott, just because, um, you know, he, he's got so much experience that, um, you know, I, again, I guess I just feel really lucky. What are the, what are the, what's the division of responsibilities between you and your brother? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Scott's like the very, uh, 
he's the mature one, I guess, <laughs> um, where I, you know, I, I have this very like, let's, let's shoot for the stars. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to, um, if we can, I would love to bring our price on the shelf down to, uh, you know, a dollar 99 today, but you know, it's about doing it responsibly. And so he's, he's the responsible voice at the table, um, saying, you know, there's, there's a way that you go about these things and, and you have to manage cash flow and, He's, you know, he's absolutely right. I mean, I am a finance major when it comes down to it, but there's still part of me that's like, let's just do this. Let's just do this. Um, and so the way that it breaks down is he's kind of taking on the the operations and the financial uh, role, and I'm I'm going out and doing a lot of the sales. And and he's in private equity, so you know he's got a prestigious job, well-paying job by and large. How do you convince him, or or did he ask? How, how did he end up being your partner in this business? Uh, you know, I, I actually think that, um, I, I, it's, it's still hard for me to fully piece together how it happened. I mean, he, he wanted to be my advisor, uh, and, and, uh, take, I guess, equity in the form of, of, of that kind of relationship. And I was like, man, I, I want you as a co-founder. I don't want you as an advisor as part-time. So, um, you know, if we're going to make this happen, then it's just, that's just the way it has to break down. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it was, it actually became a somewhat heated conversation, but, um, ultimately that was, that was how we broke it down. And, um, it, it, it was the best decision I ever made. I am such a big proponent of if you can find someone that you really believe in to start a company with, uh, split it 50, 50, even, I mean, in the beginning, I didn't get a hundred percent of my brother's time and I was okay with that. And now, um, you know, I, we're, we're fortunate enough to have a hundred percent of my brother's time, um, because I think he's fallen in love with what we're doing just as much as I have, but yeah. So what are the, what are the big obstacles facing Bonza? If you could wave your magic wand and make something disappear, what would it be? Yeah. Um, I think if you talked to, uh, we have, if you, if you talk to every single individual member on the team, we'd probably all have a different answer. Um, from my perspective, I, am, the, the product is like so personal to me, uh, this initial product where I just want everyone who eats it to just fall in love with it. And, uh, it is so hard for me anytime that someone tries it and, uh, they don't immediately fall in love with it. It's like, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just want to be like, Hey, you know, don't you realize how amazing this is? Um, and, and be there every single time someone eats the product. But so I guess from my perspective is how can we make this product even better every single day? Um, and, and that's, that's a huge challenge in my mind. Um, but it's also, it's also convincing retailers, um, who, you know, some are very progressive, but some are a little bit more old school and taking the ones who are very progressive and building out this case study with them of, um, of, of the fact that, you know, we are going to change the category of pasta and we want to, um, we, we want to be similar to Chobani, how they changed yogurt, um, the category, the category catalyst of change. And, uh, you know, we're, we're setting that up with a few retailers. So that's the goal is to take those case studies, um, from certain retailers in the Northeast that we're starting to partner up with, who are giving us unbelievable shelf placement and saying, if you treat the product this exact way, you'll see how it outsells everything you've got on the shelf now. So you're in Meyer, you're in Sprouts, um, yeah. but there are, there are even bigger chains out there. If, uh, giant came, came calling you today. Yeah. Uh, could you fill an order like that? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we can, uh, we're being really selective actually about who we choose to work with. 
Um, and so we do have some other really big names uh, that we're starting to work with. In the next few weeks, we'll be working with ShopRite, Wegmans, uh, HEB will be starting in July, which is in Texas. Um, we, so we, we have some really, really great ones on the horizon, but, um, and some other ones that I'll keep my, uh, my fingers crossed that, you know, until the eyes are dotted. But, um, the, the, the thing is that there, that we want to do this right, where again, we build out these case studies and then we take those case studies and we build the perfect relationship where we can say, here's where it should be on the shelf to get to the numbers that you want. So I talked about you hiring your brother. You're, you're also notable for. Are you the first VFA fellow to hire a VFA VFA fellow? That let that alone did three, happen. Let alone three. Now no, we are we are at three. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, how special is that for you? And and how are they working out? I mean, I, I don't want to make you give the live progress report. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> my God. Uh, so Avery joined us uh, when we were still having these manufacturing issues, and he is just he's fantastic. Um, also a just. I, I have this whole theory with how we're building out our team where every single person should be better than uh, the, the last. And, and so as we've been hiring, it's just been um, unbelievable to see uh, the kind of quality that we've been able to bring on board. And uh, I, yeah, Avery, Avery's amazing. Uh, he's just got the best attitude I think I've, I've ever found in anyone. Like we, we work six days a week and generally seven, but, you know, we go to farmer's markets every Saturday and, and we don't stop. We wake up at five in the morning, every Saturday morning. So that means your weekend is basically killed. Um, and he doesn't, he's never complained once. It's, it's pretty unbelievable. And, and you have two more that are about to join? Is that about to join. Gotcha. Yeah. They haven't gotcha. started yet. Gotcha. We're okay. feeling good about them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, five in the morning, you're out there on a Sunday at, at Eastern market. Um, you know, is that, is that a, is that a PR thing? Is it is it good for sales or what? What's the it, what is the uh, the impetus for for still going to to a local market? Unless I'm unless I don't really understand the magnitude of Eastern Market in Detroit. Yeah, Eastern Market's amazing, um, and we do we give out samples to anyone who will actually come over and try it, um, and and it and a lot of people do. Uh, we, we found it to be in, incredibly successful from uh, from just just actually selling it, which wasn't our initial intention, um, but. But it, um, it, it's actually really great for just getting immediate customer feedback. So we, we go in there and we try out our new shapes there. Uh, we give out samples to, to every single demographic you can possibly imagine comes to this market. And uh, having, having all of that kind of feedback almost immediately. And uh, it's also awesome practice just, just for seeing what really resonates with people, what we want our brand messaging to be. And what works even with with different demographics, what people really respond to. When you're standing there and you're giving out free samples, do you, do you have, I, I always feel the guilt. I feel like as long, once I've eaten something, I'm obliged to purchase it. But you see the people who go and they take one and they start <laughs> pushing it, they take the second, the third. Oh, yeah. And they come back wearing like a glasses and a fake mustache or something like that. <laughs> and they buy, they take the fifth, sixth. Or you, My, ever like, yeah. or you ever have to say like, beat it, you've had enough free stuff or you just sit there and smile. <laughs> you know what? It's actually a good sign if people keep taking it. So, um, I, I'm never complaining, but I do find it kind of funny that people who think they're really sneaky and keep coming back and they're like, oh, maybe they weren't looking. And I'm like, no, please keep, keep coming back. Just as long as you say nice things. <laughs> right. What's that? So, so my understanding is you're not taking a salary right now. Correct. When do you start taking a salary? Um, you know, I, I ultimately do need to take a salary. So I, I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably later this year. Um, it's, it's all about, um, you know, just, just managing cash flow, um, and, and 
you know, making sure, you know, we just raised money. Um, we wanted to make it clear to our investors that we're committed to, um, you know, to not immediately paying ourselves just because they immediately funded it. So, um, that, that is a big part of it as well. So you're in talking to you, you're, you're committed to Detroit. You really have enjoyed Detroit. You could have started this company anywhere. Why did you stay? Yeah. Um, so there's a big part of it, which is manufacturing close to Detroit, uh, which we didn't, we didn't always know it was going to work out that way. It kind of was a just absolute luck. Um, and then, and then, so, so actually being able to be so close to our manufacturing, um, and, and being a part of it. But then, um, the other part is, is being in the middle of the country when you're making a product, a physical product and the shipping advantages. Um, there's also a really great community in Detroit. And when you're, when you're trying to do something in Detroit, the, the support you get is, is pretty unbelievable. Um, I, I, I know that there's like a cool food community in Brooklyn and I think that that's, you know, I love that, but there's, there's something happening in Detroit when, when you're trying to do something, you see the way that people just, just, they love Michigan, they love Detroit. And, uh, it's, I'm just, I guess I'm just grateful to be a part of it. So you've, you've, you've said already that you're, you want to model yourself after Chobani. Yeah. Three, four, five, six years from now, what does Bonza look like? So, uh, there, there are a few goals for Bonza, uh, Bonza, the, the chickpea pasta product, uh, if we've succeeded, that means that everyone's eating chickpea pasta instead of pasta, which is a really ambitious goal. Um, but if we can get 50% of all pasta purchases to then be chickpea pasta, then we've achieved it. Um, and, and so that's, that's what Chobani did right now. 50% of all yogurt sales are Greek yogurt and with a higher protein version and less allergenic version, similar to almond milk, which is this whole other great case study. I think that there's something really there. So our goal is to make it the no brainer option. And then in the process, same way that Chobani has created thousands of jobs in upstate New York, I, I, I would feel, I would just be so happy if we could do the same thing in Michigan. A couple thousand jobs in Detroit uh, <laughs> certainly couldn't, couldn't uh, hurt. I would, it, that would be like, that would mean that we really did it. So what have you seen? You've been there for two and a half years in, in Detroit now. Uh, yeah, yeah, about almost three now. Almost three. Have you seen? Have you felt like the city's been changing since you since you put your feet on the ground there? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it has changed, and even on my block, um, you know, one of the, one of the cool things is my my uh, my roommates. Uh, they bought this house for eighty two hundred dollars. Uh, it was a seven bedroom house, and. Uh, it, it wasn't in great shape, but, but, uh, they fixed it up and this street that I live on, and it's also our office, it's, uh, it went from having, you know, a bunch of vacancies, abandoned homes to now, uh, when I walk outside of that house, there are almost, you know, probably every two weeks I get stopped by someone and they're like, are there houses on this street for sale? And it's, it's, it's kind of amazing to see the way that, that certain areas are still being transformed. Uh, you know, it's, it, again, it's, it's far from perfect. There are some areas that are getting a lot worse too. So I don't want to, I don't want to sugarcoat it, but, um, there are areas that are improving too. Okay. Two critical questions before we wrap up here. Yeah. Um, last night, again, at the VFA event, my <laughs> wife started, uh, giving you feedback and demanding a, what I looked up, it's a rachette pasta, the, the tennis racket the tennis, yeah, pasta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for our daughter, Maya. She thinks that's going to be great for kids. The big uh, 
how uh, <laughs> you said that that was the third person that night who had asked you about that pasta. And I'm not asking you when you're going to release that pasta. <laughs> pasta. There's my Canadian accent coming in. But are you confronted with pasta advisors everywhere you go? Uh, every single time you you give a taste test, are people saying, "I want this, I want that"? Oh yeah, and, which is which is exactly what I want. Because right. the more I hear something, the more I know that there's demand for it. A lot of it's it is anecdotal, and there's maybe there's some quantitative data behind it too. But you got to take both of those uh, in mind. And I, I have no idea what the numbers are on tennis racket pasta. But when I hear three people telling me it, within probably 15 minutes of each other that they all wish that it was a tennis racket pasta, there's something there. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so it's, uh, it, it is, it's really helpful, actually. <laughs> so almost last question here. Um, how often are you eating your own pasta? <laughs> are you still eating it at this point? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, are you, when you have friends over, are, are you, are you ever cooking anything other than bonza for them? <laughs> um, yes, I am definitely still eating it, um, almost every day. Um, you know, I, I actually love beans. Uh, and that was part of, part of this too, is beans are so healthy, but a lot of people get freaked out by the structure. And for me, I don't mind the structure of beans. I don't mind the consistency, but I was getting a little bit tired of it. So now this is my way of just getting my daily beans in every day. Um, and, and so I eat it with breakfast. I eat it with lunch. I eat it with dinner. Pretty much there's always chickpea pasta and there's always bonza in the fridge. Uh, and, and just last weekend, yeah, I, I had friends over and I made them two different bonds of dishes. I'm actually tempted to ask you one other question, which yeah, is, please. and then I'll, then I want to give you the last word. Is this as hard as you imagined? Is it harder than you imagined? Is it just different than you imagined? It's it, you know what? That is a really good question. Uh, I, I, it's, it's hard in a totally different way than what I expected. I, I didn't, I think the things that I, I expected to be challenging, uh, I thought I would be facing a lot of things just always head on. And that's how it started. We were facing these major challenges head on. Um, but sometimes I feel like it's, it's just this, there's just so many little things that you have to keep track of. And, uh, that has been really hard for me, I think, is just constantly remembering all the little things that are going on around me. Um, and, and, and you know, learning to be more organized. And as we build out a team, um, learning how to, how to, um, you know, how to, how to best prepare the team for all the challenges that we're facing too. Um, it, yeah, but it, it's been a little bit different than I think I would have expected. I, I kind of expected like this, this monster that I had to tackle at all, all moments. And it did kind of start off that way with, the um, with, with the manufacturing run, but it's, it's just, a, it is a little bit different. Um, Yeah. So I want to make sure that you have the last word. Any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs? Any uh, any words of encouragement for anyone who's considering VFA and your feelings towards the program? Yeah. So so my advice and, and the thing that that's worked well for us at least is uh, always having this story that uh, you really believe in and is really big and really ambitious. So when I say that uh, we want to change pasta and have 50% of all pasta purchases be chickpea pasta, um, I really mean it. <laughs> and so always having this really big vision that you're working towards, uh, I think it I think it can really not only inspire you just to remember what you're working towards, but to, <laughs> um, just just to have that even even for a team that you're building. And then uh, of course. Uh, I could speak to all lengths about Venture for America as a program. Um, it's, it's, it's a program that just, it, it really does mean so much to me. Um, without, without Venture for America, 
Um, I would be doing something totally different. I would not be living in Detroit. It just, it really is an incredible program. And I would recommend that anyone who is still trying to figure out what they want to do in their lives, uh, really give Venture for America a good hard look because uh, they, they will support you every step of the way. Fantastic. What a great place to end. Brian Rudolph, thanks so much for, for being here and good luck with Bonza. It's an amazing story. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> really appreciate it. is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.